Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. What's your superhero name? The chair puncher. What am I? Wait, you're my arch nemesis, clearly. Oh. <laughs> you're just setting up chairs all around West Des Moines. And then all, all the chairs are like, my one weakness, a human fist. Life 107.1. When I say Easter dinner, what do you think? I mean, you think of something, right? For years, it was, for me, the same exact dinner as Christmas, except for with a ham in the middle instead of a turkey. Oh, okay. Yeah. Everything else around it was the same. You just had different meat in the middle. Okay, that sounds about right. That makes sense. I never realized that Easter really could be the culinary delight that it truly is mm. until I read an article on tasteofhome.com and they said that there's actually 50 different recipes that represent the favorite recipes of states. Interesting. States in the union. They all have a favorite recipe. Now, there is nothing in this article that tells me how they found that to be the most popular <laughs> one. I'm just going to choose to believe them because it's on the Internet. Right? i got to be honest. I, I can hardly think of any Easter recipes. All I can think of is Easter candy. Okay. Or ham. 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 Yeah, see, I, I don't even associate ham with Easter. You don't? No. Huh. Well, neither does most of Iowa. Oh. Because <laughs> as I was looking through, scrolling through, I found... That the most popular Easter recipe in Iowa, according to tasteofhome.com, is something called a holiday brunch casserole. Holiday brunch casserole. And I got to tell you, Iowans, I'm extraordinarily proud of you. And this is why. Because in it, it has potatoes and it has all of the cheese and the eggs and the the fat milk and the onions and all that stuff. But not only does it have all of that. But it has both pork sausage and bacon in it. That sounds like Iowa. Good job, Iowa! Let's get Yay. some pork in this thing. You know, now that I think about it, there is one recipe that I do associate with Easter. Okay, not we're not talking about Cadbury eggs, right? Not, not Cadbury eggs, not Peeps, as much as I do love Peeps. This was something my family made for a few years. They're called Resurrection Cookies. What? And they're actual cookies that you can make for Easter, and as you're making them, you can tell the Easter story. Oh, that's cool. It's, it's kind of cool. Um, so you start out with a, a baggie of pecans, and you break them up, and that represents Jesus' body being broken for oh, us. Wow, okay. And then you get some vinegar, and you smell that, and that's uh, calling back to when Jesus is on the cross, and he says, I'm thirsty, and they give him some vinegar to drink. And then you add egg whites to the bowl. Because eggs, the whiteness represents that Jesus gave us eternal life through his sacrifice. You have a symbol of life with the egg. Mm -hmm. Then you add in a little bit of salt, and the salt represents the tears that everyone shed and the bitterness of Jesus, uh, of that dark time in Jesus' life. Then you finally add in some sugar. So there's actually. I was waiting for this because. There's actually something that tastes okay. (laughs) As of this point, I didn't know if I wanted to eat these cookies. The sugar comes in, and it's the sweetness of Jesus' love that he died so that we could have eternal life with him. And then you beat up all the eggs into these frothy egg whites, and it's the, the whiteness of our sins that have been cleansed. And then you put them in the oven overnight. Like, literally leave them in the oven overnight, like 300 degrees, no, really low. No, there's, that's no, they would turn into hockey pucks. And then you tape it shut like the tomb was sealed. And then on Easter morning, you can open it up and you get these little cookies that I kid you not, when you bite into them, they're hollow. And so there's a hole like the empty tomb. No way. The only problem is they're disgusting. <laughs> but that 
it's such a cool visual. Oh, it's I mean, it's amazing the way you can tell the story. I just wish they tasted good. By the way, you do have the oven reach a certain temperature, put them in, and then you turn the oven off. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you read that far. <laughs> I would have really caused some problems. Maybe that's why they weren't very good. <laughs> okay, so we've talked about holiday brunch casserole, which apparently is the favorite Easter recipe from the state of Iowa. Sounds like we have good taste. And then Taylor talked about the very inspiring, although not very tasty, resurrection cookies. You got a thought about uh, Easter recipes, Stan? You don't need a recipe for Easter. All you need is peeps. <laughs> oh! You and I are no! on the same page. Are you a peep eater? All you need for Easter is peeps. You don't need the chocolate rabbits. You don't need the little hard, weird candies that you're not really sure what they're made of. <laughs> All you need is peeps. Not even Cadbury chocolate eggs. Not even Reese's peanut butter shaped eggs. Those are a good side dish to the peeps, but yeah. they're not necessarily yeah. necessary. The, pe- the peeps are the entree, and then the sides are the Cadbury eggs. I like this. That's an Easter dinner for me. Right. It's just like if you're craving a burger, you don't have to have fries, even though they go with it. Yeah. You don't have to have the Reese's even with the beef, but you can. It, it's good. It's an option. We were talking about your favorite Easter recipes, Mm -hmm. and then our friend Dan from Ankeny had to call and talk about Peeps, which got us all derailed, because (laughs) I say that is not a legitimate Easter food. What about you, Lisa? I think Peeps are for looks. They're very cute, but they're not edible, in my opinion. But I had a sister-in-law one time that had to have Peeps, but she had to put them on top of the fridge. For at least two weeks till they were good and stale, and then she would just binge on those things. It was so disgusting. Stale peeps? She would not eat them unless they had been on top of the fridge. I don't get that. There are people who like aged peeps, and that's just not... Aged peeps? You cannot use the word aged next to peeps. It makes you feel better about it if you say they're aged. (laughs) Aged is cheese or wine, not peeps. (laughs) It's peep jerky. Every once in a while, science is really interesting. Did you say science? Science! Science! (laughs) So, I came across an article yesterday talking Uh about birth order, which kind of fascinates me. And wherever you are in the birth order, there's a little bit of something for you in this study that came out. So, we all know that firstborn children are supposedly smarter, they say, you know, because... Our role models are our parents. Okay, that makes sense. We associate more with our parents because our our parents are the only ones there with us. Yeah. Okay? So we strive to get their approval and things like that, which makes for very neurotic. I mean, high achieving. We are achievers. (laughs) Oldest children. (laughs) So the study comes out and says, yes, it's true. Second born children or subsequent children are often more troublemakers. And that is exactly the case with my little brother. (laughs) And it's exactly the case with my brother and my sister and my son, who uh-huh. are all subsequent born. Yep. They're not firstborn. But here's the thing, firstborn children, while you're sitting there patting yourselves on the back, this is why, according to the study, you and I as firstborn children, we had our parents as our role models. Uh-huh. The subsequent born children have us. In other words, oh. irrational Toddlers, therefore, second-born children are a little bit more uh, troublesome, maybe adventurous. So you're saying I ruined my little brother <laughs> because of us. <laughs>
Hey, this is Taylor and Jen. Who's this? Well, we're going to protect names. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll protect names. <laughs> yeah. So we're just not going to go there. I love how this is starting. Okay. So this is going to be a good story. Which order are you? Are you the first or subsequent born? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm the youngest. Okay. okay. Yep. <laughs> My oldest brother is 10 years older than I am. And so when he wasn't busy ignoring me or throwing me in the water trough or whatever, having me touch the electric fence, all those things. Yeah. He was teaching me how to hotwire a truck, <laughs> how to ride a motorcycle, you know, all those useful life things. Yeah. And he was 17. I was seven. So why not learn how to hotwire a truck? <laughs> but the amazing thing is he became a pastor and he is the most incredible father and grandfather you could ever come across. Aww. I love that story. That's so great. We say we're talking about science, mm-hmm. but really what we're talking about is how your sibling especially your older one, got you in trouble. Yeah, what uh, order in the birth are you, Shelly? I am third. All right, so you're a real troublemaker. I am a real troublemaker. (laughs) So what happened? My brother got smart. We're not quite 12 months apart. He's December 18th, and I'm December 14th the next year. Wow, wow, okay, wow, yeah. Irish twin. Yep. (laughs) Our biggest one was when he told me I could fly if we put super glue on our arms. And ripped open the pillows and put it all over the feathers all over us. <laughs> and we were dumping <laughs> from the dresser to the bed. Is your mother a saint? Yes, she is. <laughs> there are four of us. God bless her soul. <laughs> <laughs> Remembering the ministry of St. Patrick, who, I mean, was huge in bringing Christianity to Ireland. Which I didn't know until I watched the Veggie Tales yeah, episode about very him. very important. Which made me want to do more research. I had a, a professor in college who was just fascinated with St. Patrick's faith and the, the different kind of teaching tools he used. And one of the things that's always stuck with me is apparently St. Patrick believed in this idea of thin places. That we we have these layers that we put between ourselves and God. We have the busyness of life, the stressors, and all these things that make it hard for us to connect with him, hard for us to hear his voice. We sure do. I was just thinking about that last night. But St. Patrick believed you could find these places... And maybe it's your backyard on a nice summer day, or maybe it's it's in a, a very, very old church where it feels like those layers we put between ourselves and God grow thin. That is wonderful. I've becomes... never heard that before. And so like for him, that there was this this church that had just been around for a long time. And he felt like when he went there, he was closer to God. He could feel the, the divine mingling with his own life. Oh, my goodness. It was his thin space. And so... To me, it's always been like, man, what what are my thin spaces? Maybe mm-hmm. it's, you know, when I'm at church on Sunday morning and we're singing a song that means a lot to mm-hmm. me. Maybe it's in that quiet first thing in the morning where the what I really want to do is check Facebook. But spending some time reading the Bible mm-hmm. when there's nothing else to distract me. Things are a little thinner between me and God. Hmm. That's a great way to celebrate St. Patrick's Day is find your thin space, spend a little time there and meet God. Taylor says we need to look for the thin places. It's this thing that comes from St. Patrick believed this, Mm -hmm. that we put layers between ourselves and God, whether it's our own shame, whether it's stressors we have in our lives. But there are places that he knew he could go where those barriers between him and God just got a little bit more thin. I love that. Looking for the thin places. Just last night, 
I was journaling because I've lately been kind of thinking a lot about the idea of peace. Mm. Jesus gave us peace. He said, I have given you peace, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I have been a believer for a long time, and that flummoxes me. How can we find peace in a world that is so broken? Yeah. And it's already been given to us. So how do we obtain it? How do we peel away? And I didn't realize it when I was journaling last night, but I was actually thinking about tunneling away at that thickness that mm-hmm. you're talking about, those thick walls that we feel yeah. between us and God. Tear down all the barriers. Tear down all the barriers for St. Patrick, he looked for a specific spot. But when you think about the life of Christ, when he was here on earth, he did it too. You have so many passages about Jesus, like stepping away from the crowds, going up on a mountain or walking around in the wilderness. And it was like, this is fully God and fully man. And he recognized he needed to get away and get to a space where he could focus on his relationship with his father. And there you find the peace. And I wonder if, you know, when you go and and you find that thin space and you're closer to the Lord and you spend time communing with him and you get that peace, then maybe it's a little bit like when Moses you know, encountered just the back of God and he came down from the mountain and it exuded from him. I wonder if that's the same for us. If we find those thin places, we spend more time with our Lord in a closer way, then that peace will exude from us. You're able to bring the thinness to the thick places. They really mean to help. They do. All two and a half adorable feet of them (laughs) when our kids want to help. I was trying to be helpful and I unloaded the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. Except I threw all the dishes down the stairs. Oh! <laughs> I was like four or five, I think. And you, you just thought that's where they went. Why did you do that? Well, well, I saw my mom take the fine china and put it downstairs in a china hutch. Oh, and boy. So I thought that's what I needed to do. And so she lost a lot of fine china that day. Oh, oh my no! Wow. I wish I could see this throwing the dishes down the stairs. Oh, boy. Do you remember as a four-year-old what your mother did when she found out? She was very loud. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Kelly. So did you have a mommy I helped circumstance that went wrong? When my kids were little, I always made the Toll House cookie recipe on the back of the chocolate chip bag. It was just quick and easy. And I would put chocolate chips out on the counter, like in the bag, so that I would remember. Well, when I went to go run errands, my son, who is now like an adult, was in elementary school, and he decided to make them for me because he knew that he had made them before. And when he looked at the recipe on the back, he was reading it specifically and accurately, except he read it as, add two cups milk but he didn't go to the next line that said chocolate chip. Oh, oh. milk chocolate chips. So, oh, my yeah, goodness. So when I came home, I had like milk soup with a few floating <laughs> chocolate chips in it. He was like, hey, I followed that exactly. Oh, you got to keep reading the line. <laughs> I had two cups of milk yeah. and then I added chocolate chips. <laughs> exactly. Because, you know, we don't measure chocolate chips at our house. You just dump them dump in. the bag. Just until your heart yeah. says yes. <laughs> They're cute and adorable and wonderful, and they just want to help. <laughs> but it can be bad. And he just loves to wash our cars and that sort of thing for us, which was no big deal. You know, we'd give him a little scrubby brush, that sort of thing. Well, one time we were inside, and he was outside using the hose on my car. And then all of a sudden, my husband looked out the window and was like, 
He has the grill brush. Oh! oh no! No! Yeah, he was using the grill brush on my my vehicle. So oh! I went outside. I was like, no, 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 please stop. Oh! And he really didn't do, like, anything to it. Luckily, we saw him fast enough. Oh, man. I'm going to give you a hard time about this. But... I would just like to preface it by saying, remember, I'm the person that can hurt myself by getting out of bed. I, I okay? know. This, so- is, this is why you don't <laughs> mention that you have an injury to your friend who can say, hey, we should say this into a microphone so other people can hear about it. What is that giant gaping hole on your knuckle right so- there? Where did you get that giant gaping injury, Taylor. So a few years ago, <laughs> few um, years ago. there was a sale on those like virtual reality headsets yeah. and I bought one for Lindsay for her birthday. Because she wanted one. She wanted one and now I really like it. And I was playing a game. You were playing video games. I was playing video games on the virtual reality thing mm-hmm. and there was a bad guy who needed punching <laughs> and I punched the bad guy. Except. But in real life there was a chair where the bad guy was. You punched a chair. I punched a chair and took a chunk out of my finger. So. (laughs) You hurt yourself playing video games. Uh, Fighting bad guys. (laughs) We're tough guy, Taylor and Jen. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I was like, hey, what happened to your knuckle? And I I was playing video games. It was a virtual reality game, and I punched a chair. It was supposed to be a bad guy. (laughs) Well, I was really impressed by your uh, story there, Taylor. You know, it just just got me thinking. It's been said Superman wears Chuck Norris pajamas. I think Chuck Norris wears Taylor Holoon pajamas. Oh, that makes me word. really happy. No. That make, I no. Th- you're probably right. This shall not stand. And if I ever get in a virtual fight, <laughs> I will be sure to call you first. Or if I'm fighting a chair, yeah. I will also call you first. There you go. I'm, I'm, you know, if you're ever in a tussle with a chair, whether it's folding, upholstered, recliner, I don't care what chair it is, I'll win that fight. What's your superhero name? Uh, the chair puncher. What am I? He, you're my arch nemesis, oh. clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I See? love it. You're just setting up chairs all around West Des Moines. <laughs> and then all, all the chairs are like, my one weakness, a human fist. Video games. I tell you, they're going on in my home all the time, but mm-hmm. I am not the one partaking in them. Apparently, they're dangerous. Yeah, I have a video game injury. <laughs> I accidentally punched a chair. The only thing I've ever injured when it comes to video games would be my ego. Oh, Because back in the day, and mind you, it's been a long time, and maybe it was Atari, maybe it was Pac-Man, maybe it was like... I was so good at Ms. Pac-Man. Yeah, and so you think that you have it, but honestly, it's not like riding a bike. No! No. I was in Toys R Us before it ever closed, and my son was like, I don't know, six. And he said, hey, that's called Guitar Hero, and I want to try it. Well, he showed me how to play it, and... You know, Aerosmith, like the whole band was on Guitar Hero, and he let me try it. I died. Like, the guy looked at his guitar and threw it on the ground. And I thought, wait a minute, I'm cooler than this. I did it, like, three times in a row. Somebody from my church walked up and said, kids will be kids. And I'm like, yeah, it's almost his turn. I just have to get this one more time. I was prepared to be sympathetic. Even a little bit supportive of my friend here who showed up at work yesterday with a giant 
scabbing bruise on his knuckle. And I was like, what happened? Were you called upon to defend your wife's honor? What happened? I was playing a virtual reality video game and I punched a chair. He heard himself playing video games. But Austin has my back. Hey, I just wanted to call and defend Taylor on hurting yourself playing a video game. Oh, brother, you yeah. would. Defend away. <laughs> I was down in my basement at my house uh, playing Spider-Man. Okay. And I lost, and so I got mad, and I punched the concrete floor. Oh, oh Austin! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I bruised my wrist pretty bad. Oh, All you yeah. did was bruise your wrist? You're lucky. <laughs> well, yeah, I, my wife said the same thing. Wait a minute, you're married? <laughs> I'm married and have a kid on the way. You can be a grown-up and play video you games, You are the Jen. kid on the way. I agree, I agree. You can totally be a grown-up and play video games. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Well, neither one of you would know. <laughs> So I sat on a stool in my friend Kim's house and I looked at four of my closest girlfriends and I had to fess up and tell them that I was about to have to go through the worst thing that I could ever possibly imagine in Mm -hmm. my life. This was two years ago and my marriage was breaking up and I looked at them and I said, guys, I'm calling in all my chips. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm going to need you in a way that I've never needed you before. My friends. I have, you know, I've always been that friend that's right there with the casserole or right there with the listening ear or that type of thing. I just love my friends. I always want to be there for them. But I never wanted to burden them. But I realized as I sat there with these women of God that I love so very, very much that I was going to need them in a way that I never had before, that they were going to actually be the hands and feet of Jesus for me. Mm -hmm. And so I asked for their help. And over the course of the last two years, they have been angels Mm -hmm. for me. I have seen friendship and I have seen God. I remember at one time I felt like the lowest of the low and I was talking to God and I'm like, I feel like you don't love me, Lord. Mm. And he said, I could hear it in my in my head. He said, I'm loving you through your friends. Mm. So when Dr. Heidi was talking about getting to that point in your life where you can ask for help and letting your friends be true friends and not just entertainment. Can I just encourage you to do that when God brought me to the lowest of the low, and I had to ask my friends for help. I saw Christ in my friends. Hey, my name's Taylor, and I feel like I should be able to do all the things. He does. I I, I really, really, truly struggled with this, and this is why I wanted to ask Dr. Heidi about why it's so hard to ask for help. Yep, it was his idea to talk to her about that because he doesn't ask for help very often at all. I, I live with this feeling that, like... If I am capable of doing something, I should be the one to do it. Why do you think that is? <laughs> I, you know what? That's been a big topic in therapy for me lately. Be, because it is. I, I remember talking to, to my counselor at one point and she looks at me and she's like, you won't let anybody help you with your life. 
you like have to be the martyr in every field where you are. Ouch. And I was like, oh man, that kind of hurts. Ow. And so I, I really have, I sometimes maybe you're like me and you want to have your hands on everything. You feel like you're the best solution to every problem out there. Um, like me, maybe tell yourself you don't need to take yourself that seriously. And number two, sometimes you just have to make this conscious decision that I feel like I'm the person for the job, but for my own mental health and for my own relationship, Relationships. I need to invite someone else to be part of this life with me. Have you done that? Yeah. I mean, it's been as simple as looking at Lindsay and saying, hey, could you run to the store today and pick something up? Oh. Or looking at someone else in the office saying, hey, I know this isn't normally your job, but do you think you could cover this one thing for me? Mm-hmm. And, and there, anybody ever said no? No. Has anybody ever said, oh, yeah, I'd love to. And that is the beautiful thing. I think sometimes we write the narrative in our head that we're like trapped by all of our to-do list. But when you just simply break out of that and say, hey, I need some help. And you realize not just people are willing to help you, but they are eager to help you. It changes the way you look at the world and changes the way you look at other people. Also frees up some time. It has been a long journey for me. And sometimes I feel like I'm prying my own hands open, but it's been good. Dr. Heidi was talking about asking for help, which is so difficult for us. And she I mean, she skirted around it really nicely. But I think that one of the reasons why it's so hard for us to do that is because we're proud. Oh, yeah. We get wrapped up in ourselves and we think, I can do it. We want to be self-sufficient. But, you know, there's a part of the Micah Creed that says we are to walk humbly. Mm. But sometimes we need our friends to remind us of that. And that's what happened for Kelly. A year ago, I had a really hard time um, with something that was going on in my life. And I feel like I've always loved people well. I mean, I think that God calls us to, like, love our friends and love people well. And then I had this happen. Then I had a friend that said, hey, there's an emergency and I'm coming over. And I said, okay, you know, open the front door. She's going to be here any minute. And she said, I need to call you out. And I thought, what? And she said, you are not letting us love you well. And it wasn't that they had answers or that there were any answers, really. It was just that for me to let them support me. So now I kind of think, hey, love people well, but let others love me back. The Taylor and Jen podcast is a product of Northwestern Media, a ministry of the University of Northwestern St. Paul. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.